I know you like to spin a good dad joke once in a while. Are dad jokes, are they a fruit of the Spirit, or is it something we need to ask forgiveness for that sin? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Pastor Phil? They're a generational curse. Um, mm-hmm. I know that my dad told the corniest jokes, and I, I was always rolling my eyes. And um, I think my girls have rolled their eyes so much that they've rolled out of their heads mm-hmm. sometimes. This is The Calling with Steve Smith, a Family Life original podcast that talks with pastors about the professional and personal challenges they face in their mission to lead others to Christ. Our guest for episode five is Pastor Phil Barner of the Andover Alliance Church. So has it been 14 years now, Pastor Phil, 14 years since uh, as you've been leading that uh, congregation? Yes, yes it is. I've been, I started March 4th, 14 years ago. How about that? So. Let's take it back a little farther before 14 years ago. When you were growing up, let's say, you know, this is almost graduation time for a lot of kids, uh, whether it be, you know, getting close to, to high school. Uh, in high school, were you, the, uh, were you the Jesus kid around everybody? Would anybody in your high school be surprised that you're doing what you're doing now? I don't know if they would be surprised, um, but I, I know probably because I went to a pretty big high school. I was... I had a graduating class of 400 some. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people would be like, Phil, who? Gotcha. Gotcha. So who were you in high school? What, uh, you know, high schools have this thing of, I hate to use the word clicks, but, you know, people, you know, the everybody has different interests in high school. What, uh, what group were you in? Um, well, I was in the band and um, there was also... Because some kids who were, um, uh, I guess the only click I guess that I was in was the band. The others was just, um, I had a few friends, but it wasn't any target group sort of thing. What instrument did you play? Trombone. When's the last time you played your trombone? Well, I actually gave my trombone to my daughter and she played it for a while. Cool. And then she found that it was so beat up that uh, she wasn't getting good sound out of it. So she got a better trombone. I asked this. Let's fast forward now. We go from high school to current day and in between uh, the uh, Reader's Digest version. And if I talk to 100 pastors, I get 100 different stories on how they ended up being a pastor. Uh, tell us your journey a little bit. And, and I know that could take a long time, but basically how, how God led you uh, to the ministry. Well, the fact that God called me to be a pastor just shows his sense of humor because I always fall asleep in church. In fact, I still feel a, a fall asleep in church when I'm not preaching. Uh, so I can imagine him seeing me fall asleep in a service and go, I'm going to make him a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, actually, I had always felt a burden to go overseas as a missionary because I'd hear about the need um, for people to hear about Jesus overseas. And I think, yeah, yes, I will go. And I grew up going to a Christian camp, uh, Delta Lake camp in Rome, New York. 
And um, I, I thought, yes, I will go. And I went through the whole process to be a missionary. Uh, and uh, three times they said, no, we don't think you're called to be a missionary. Um, but then they directed, redirected me to be a pastor. And I found this interesting. The uh, Tell us how the puppet ministry got started and how you've seen that grow and, and work. See how God works through, through that over the years. I always enjoyed puppets, and I've, I'd been doing puppets as, in some form since I was about five years old. In fact, I would put on a, a puppet show that I made up as I went along for the neighbor kids and charge them three cents admission. And they paid it because I promised um, I promised refreshments, which I'd be like, okay, intermission. Where's the refreshments? Um, what's in the refrigerator? Um, yeah. But then, um, then my church had a uh, that I grew up in. They had a puppet team, and I was part of that. Uh, and actually, um, there was a local weather person that was in Albany area. There was a local weather person who had a little five minute show and she invited our puppets, our puppet team to be involved in that. And so we were on that a number of times and got a positive reinforcement there. And then when I went to college, I started, uh, it was Nyack College um, near New York City. And we would have these gospel teams that would go into New York City and present the gospel. And I started a puppet team gospel team and um, went to, uh, went into New York City just doing puppets. Um, and uh, actually, Sandy, who later became my wife, um, she was a part of that puppet team gospel team. That's how we met. Although at the time, she didn't think that I was the kind of person that she'd be interested in. And she she told her friends that if I was the last man on earth, she'd never marry me. So I am so glad that she changed her mind. <laughs> uh, it took seven years, though. That's a, uh, yeah. But uh, then in, in everywhere that I've ministered, I found that puppets have been um, helpful from being in Youth of the Mission and, and, and did puppets there to um, now I'm in a church that we don't really have uh, many kids that come, um, but... I had started doing a children's message with the uh, puppets and um, they won't let me stop. Um, and we have a puppet team that uh, we've done puppets in different churches for a local maple festival um, or a local balloon rally. Just whenever we get the opportunity, we like to do puppets. Do you do puppets in your hospital ministry? <laughs> um, I used to, uh, but when the pandemic hit, mm. um, then there was concerned uh, concern regarding uh, could there be some kind of diseases passed on the the puppets and and I had recently asked actually if I could start bringing a puppet with me again and they said well if you wipe them down after each time and so I thought okay that's a no. Okay, right, those dirty puppets. Isn't there an interesting lesson there, Pastor, about, okay, your interest in puppets since you were a kid. Doesn't God put uh, certain gifts and interest and things, and sometimes some people may look at it and go like, 
well, that's a silly thing, or I'm not saying puppets are silly, but whatever their interest might be, you know, like I like to, I love pens or I like this, or I like something that seems odd to them. And it's like, how can God ever use something like that? But don't you think that God puts interest in us for a reason? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you tell God, I am willing to do whatever you want me to do, and you can use whatever I have, he will. <laughs> so um, I found that many times, when, like you had said, something that I don't think might be useful, uh, find out that it is. I find it As long as we're willing and obedient. Now, you do a lot of uh, work in your community outside the church, and that's intentional, isn't it? Tell us about that. I am the treasurer for local Lions Club. I am the treasurer for the local 4th of July committee. Um, they're, uh, next year, they're, uh, the uh, Andover is celebrating its bicentennial, and so they have formed a bicentennial committee, and I'm a part of that, and largely because... Um, I can't expect people to just come to our church if they don't see a need. And so I want to do what I can in reaching out to the needs of the people. And so different people look at me in different ways. I mean, some people, they'll, they'll be like, oh, you're the person who visited me in the hospital. Other people will be like, oh, yeah, I know you from the Lions Club or the 4th of July or, um, oh, you're the guy who – He's walking his dog all the time. Right. So it's, it's just being in the community so that I have those opportunities to share the gospel with Jesus Christ. Um, because in a small town, um, most of the time you face people are more, um, more responsive to people that they know, people that they grew up with. Uh, and uh, they didn't grow up with me, but they know me because they've seen me in the Lions Club or the Fourth of July committee or or visiting in the hospital or whatever the case may be. How have you navigated uh, since 2020? Every church is a little bit different uh, now that we're several years out past 2020. But uh, how did you uh, navigate uh, the COVID situation and, and how do you see that uh, during and now as we're in 2023, uh, how that has affected your church, whether it be positive or negative? Uh, what, what are your thoughts looking back? Well, the one thing that the pandemic did is it forced us to have more of an online presence. And so we started doing the uh, doing a live stream for the services, the worship services. And we realized, hey, there is an opportunity to reach out to people who might not come to the church, but they might check out a service online. And there's not a lot of people who, who check out our church online, but then... I find out that there's more than I realize. And um, that is a positive, I think. But even in the midst of that, and when we weren't allowed to come, there were some who would say, is it okay if I'm really quiet and I sit in the back when you're recording the service that I could come and be a part of things? 
And we said, yeah, we're not going to tell on you. So um, there were some people who really wanted to be there, even if it wasn't an official service. And I appreciate that because what I'm preaching on Sunday is from Hebrews chapter 10, where it says not to forsake meeting together as some in the habit are, are in the habit of doing, but to do that all the more as we see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I think I think the day of Christ's return is getting closer and closer. And I suppose some would say, well, no, duh, because we're further along in time. But I, I think that um, God is preparing to do something great. Um, and uh, there are still some people who stopped coming to church, um, and of course, during the pandemic, and haven't come back. And sometimes they may check, check it online. Sometimes they don't. Um, it's, it's really hard to tell, but I am glad for that opportunity to um, to extend extend our reach. Talking with uh, Pastor Phil Barner of uh, Andover Alliance Church, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I think every time we have a uh, a shareathon and we begin. Uh, even every day in prayer, and we pray, because a lot of people look on the outside and they go, oh, you must be in competition with other Christian radio stations and things like that. And not really the bottom line is we're all in ministry together. Uh, how do you view and what steps are taken in your uh, community with other churches? And how important do you think that is for other churches to, I'm not saying have the same service, but the pastors get together and do things uh, as a community together. You know, we're, yes, we're different individual churches, but we're all the church. Well, we can do more together than we can ever do on our own. And it is also an effective way to keep people from just going from church to church to church uh, with, um, for instance, if they're uh, sad but true, there's some people will try to take advantage of the church. And so they'll go to a number of different churches with the same story asking for help. And um, when when we have found in our area, uh, because I am, I'm involved in three ministeriums, one in uh, the pastors in Andover try to get together um, uh, four times a year, uh, but uh, that way we can work together and um, the in nearby Wellsville, uh, the churches get together. I'm the vice president of that ministerium, and uh, we funnel everything through the Salvation Army because they know those who really are in need and those who, unfortunately, are just looking for a handout. Um, and um, and working together, we are able to um, we are able to emphasize those strengths that we might not have in somebody else and they can emphasize ours. The The chapel in Buffalo, there was a guy there who's a statistician and he realized that even with all that they do, they could only reach just a small percentage of their area by themselves. They need, they saw a need to work together with the other churches so that they can more effectively reach the entire community for Jesus Christ. And that's what that's what we try to do here, to work together. And we've seen God do some cool things um, through having a group that studies revivals. George Otis 
foundation coming and and saying, okay, this is what is involved in in uh, um, all the different cases of the of a re- real revival, and, and then going, okay, let's start out with prayer. Let's do what we can. And they actually were saying that they were encouraging that we're doing all the right things and uh, we are expecting God to do a mighty work. Changing gears a little bit, but I think they have commonalities uh, between physical exercise and exercising our faith and getting in the word. You uh, are uh, an avid exerciser. You like to run. I bet you there are some days running, I'm asking now, or exercising that you probably just don't feel like it. You're not, uh, whether it be physically or mentally, you just don't feel like exercising, but you know the uh, positive effects of that. And doesn't that really lend itself spiritually? There's a lot of, a lot of common ground between those two, aren't there? Oh, yeah. And, and to say that I like to run is a bit of an overstatement. I, I do it, but I don't really like it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and usually I'll say, um, how many smiling runners have you seen? Um, yeah. Because there are some, but, but there is so much in Scripture about, about running, about uh, keeping your eye on the prize. And, and uh, my life verse is from Galatians where it says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from knowing the truth? Because I have been in many races where I, I, I must admit, I do not know how to pace myself. I have one, one speed and it's full. And the older I get, the slower it gets. Um, but I, I will start out as fast as I can, and I end out um, not nearly as fast, but uh, knowing that I've done everything that I can. Um, and it was interesting. I was saying, I used that as a sermon illustration a couple weeks ago, uh, again, preaching from Hebrews, from Hebrews uh, 11, actually. I'm working through Hebrews backwards. Um, but anyway, um, and uh, I was saying about a race I was in where I saw, I saw on the back of the shirt of somebody in front of me, it said, never quit. And all through that race, it was a brutal race. It was at night. It was windy. It was rainy. People kept passing me. But I just kept thinking, never quit, never quit. And I finished. I didn't finish first. I didn't finish last but maybe pretty close to it, but I, uh, but I knew I didn't quit. And then I realized how many other things do I need to keep that same attitude? Never quit, never quit, never quit. Um, and a lady told me the next week that there were a number of times during the, the week that she felt like quitting, but she thought, well, if pastor doesn't when he's running. I won't either. <laughs> You're listening to uh, The Calling, a podcast uh, talking with local pastors and pastors uh, all over just about their feelings about uh, different things, the church and and life. And we're talking with uh, Pastor Phil Barner of Andover Alliance Church. And a a common question that I've asked if people have heard these episodes, uh, but I can't help but ask it almost every single time because pastors, not only are they doing their work at the church, but you've mentioned already all the different activities you're involved with, the exercise you're doing. You have a, a family. 
How do you find time to rest? And is that a challenge for you? It is, and it's not one that I I must admit that I've done well in, um, especially with uh, my wife has a busy schedule as well. Um, we're very much partners in ministry, but then also she's involved with local Girl Scouts. She teaches, uh, or rather she is a school nurse and she works as a drug and alcohol rehab nurse as well. And so um, there there are times when um, we have to really work into our busy schedule time just to have a date together. Um, I've made a goal of having um, of having two dates a month and it's not an ambitious goal, but Sometimes it's hard to even get that in, uh, but to make that time for each other. My two daughters are are grown uh, and out of the house, but we still try to keep in contact with them, um, with uh, phoning them, with emailing. Um, and I must admit, my wife is is better with my youngest daughter with that, and my oldest daughter. There's a number of times just. Um, uh, taking her to work because right now uh, she's uh, she's relying on us to to take her to work and so uh, I I appreciate those opportunities just to um, talk with her and um, because well she's a captive audience. I don't think while, I'm uh, while she's in the car with me. Right. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school or church in this matter. And maybe you can answer this uh, theological question for me. I know you like to spin a good dad joke once in a while. Are dad jokes, are they a fruit of the Spirit? Or is it something we need to ask forgiveness for that sin? Uh, What are your thoughts on that, uh, Pastor Phil? They're a generational curse. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that my dad told the corniest jokes and I, I was always rolling my eyes. And um, I think my girls have rolled their eyes so much that they've rolled out of their heads sometimes. Mm-hmm. Boy. Because, Amen. Uh, but there are times when my youngest daughter, especially, she'd say, Dad, you're just not funny. It doesn't stop me any. Uh-huh. Um, but then I will tell her, well, there are others who would disagree with you. If she's in a real irritable mood, she'll say, name them. But... Uh, so I, I would call them a generational curse, and I would not be surprised if, um, when and if my daughters have kids, um, they would wind up telling some of those corny jokes to their kids as well. I was just talking with somebody um, about a Lions Club thing, and um, there's unfortunately a, a meeting of the Lions Club at the same time we have a governing board meeting. So I was telling the the guy that I, I couldn't make it to the meeting. And he said, well, got a good joke for me. So I told him one he could use. You want to hear it? Sure, go ahead. Okay. You probably heard this before. Because right. uh, you know all of them. Right. That's never I, that's never stopped me. I only know three or four jokes. I just keep telling them over and over again. Is what yeah. Right. But this guy, he's, he's on the train and um, he's... He's heading for Smithville and he goes to the conductor and he says, um, when, when does the train stop in Smithville? And he says, oh, I am sorry. This train doesn't stop in Smithville. Well, what do I do? I, I need to stop in Smithville. 
says, well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll slow down as much as I can when we get to the station and I'll hold you out the window, but you need to have your legs pumping. So when you hit the ground, you hit the ground running because uh, if you don't, you're just going to fall flat on your face and you're going to hurt yourself. Hmm. And, and then you can just gradually slow down and you'll be where you need to go. Says, okay. So he says, okay, we're coming close to Smithville holds him out and the guy's pumping his legs and he he drops him off and he's he's trying to slow down and then the train is passing and somebody in the caboose grabs him and pulls him on the train and says you're lucky i saw you because this train doesn't stop in smithville i'd be i'd be laughing but i have i have allergies right now and my my laughs my laugh doesn't sound very good but um (laughs) Why? Well, I, I, I was gonna say that silence was about what I expected. That's okay, everybody. I can hear, I can feel the r- eyes rolling everywhere. Um, oh, but speaking of the eyes rolling, have has it, has any of your 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 daughters mentioned or anybody have mentioned that how you, when someone stares into your face and looks at you, how similar you are to a certain kind of uh, you know a a process of milk, you know, when they when they stare at you, when they see your pasteurize. Ah. Uh. If they might. Um, no, no, but um, no. if they hear this this podcast, uh-huh. they might. Well, or they they may just uh, may just click stop all of a sudden. They could do that. <laughs> they could do that. Hopefully Pastor, not. Pastor Phil Barnard, we appreciate you taking your time. Thank you for what you do on a daily basis, uh, not only for your church but your community. Uh, it's a great example. You're uh, giving your flock as you lead them. So uh, blessings on you and blessings on your wife and family and and the Andover Alliance Church. Uh, thanks for taking your time today. Thank you. You're very gracious. You've been listening to Episode 5 of The Calling, a Family Life original podcast. Be sure to check out all of Family Life's original podcasts, including Therese Talk, If That Makes Sense, The Powerable Podcast, and Business by the Book. You can find them wherever you download content or at familylife.org. Family Life is a not-for-profit listener-supported ministry relying on your generous support to make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can get involved when you go to familylife.org.